God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be with you today from God our Father and our one Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I've been doing a sermon series with you on renewing your faith in Christ and strengthening your life in him. We've talked so far about doing so by means of the word of God, by prayer, by songs of praise, and this week we're going to talk about doing so by fellowship by Christian friends, and by drawing strength from other believers in Christ. And so let's begin then today by uh, hearing what God has to say about this. A few words, beginning in Psalm 133. God says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. So he calls it pleasant and good. In John 17, Jesus' prayer, one of his last prayers while on earth was this. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So, brotherhood and Christian fellowship is God's will. And then, thirdly, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. John, the apostle, says, That which we've seen and heard we proclaim also to you, concerning Jesus Christ, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this, that our joy, your joy, may be complete. So we have pleasant, good, it's God's will, and it completes us. It is our joyful fulfillment. All this through fellowship. That is Christian fellowship. So today, how does God renew our hearts through fellowship? How does he strengthen us through others? And how can I have my life renewed through fellowship with my other Christians, Christian brothers and sisters? Well, first of all, what's fellowship? The word here that was used in John's letter just a moment ago was fellowship koinonia, which means fellowship, communion, sharing, uh, participation, intimacy, being of one heart and mind, and in a word, true friendship. This is what God uh, gives to us. And C.S. Lewis uh, said that uh, lovers are often pictured by us as face-to-face, -face, but friends are pictured standing side-by-side, -side, their faces looking forward. I think of an example from uh, the days of uh, England's history, uh, the Battle of Agincourt, which was made uh, famous by uh, Shakespeare's play Henry V where the French were outnumbered uh, five to one, 6,000 English versus 30,000 French. And in that play, Henry V, the king, stands to arouse his troops. And he says, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he to they that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap, while any speaks that fought with us on Christmas Day. This is a picture of koinonia, at least an earthly one, where you have men standing side by side together, their faces looking forward. In fact, it was one of the great victories. Standing side by side, uh, they actually beat the French and were saved. And so in the same way, God has koinonia for us. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers standing side by side as Christians with our faces looking forward, looking ahead. And I want to ask you a question then. Does this characterize your life? Do you have 
friends that you're standing side by side with looking forward in life? Or do you feel more alone? Well, what does God then do for us? Because I think this is one of the greatest needs that we have as human beings, the way God created us, is the need for fellowship. What's God do for us? Well, the first thing is God gave us and gives us fellowship with himself. God gives us fellowship, koinonia, with himself. Listen to this. It's pretty remarkable, considering the kind of people we have been, how we rebelled and went against him. Titus 3 says, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by men and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. Sounded like we had a lot of good things in our favor with God, huh? Foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to passions. But God, through Christ, brought us fellowship with himself through the forgiveness of our sins. It says, Peter says, For Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, and that he might bring us to God. And Paul says in Corinthians, second, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. So God, our Father, our Creator, gave us fellowship with himself through Jesus Christ, through our faith in him. And you know what this means? Through the cross, we have peace. And not only so, but with that peace, we have a promise. promise of fellowship, of true friendship, a promise, as he says in Matthew 28, Lo, I'm with you always, to the close of the age. Now, last week, after the service, Naomi and I did something that was, uh, we'd never done in six years down here. We decided to get in the car and drive down to Key Largo. And we spent the night down there uh, so that the next morning we could go snorkeling on a coral reef, which we'd never done before. And we went out to John Pennekamp uh, Coral Reef. We had uh, an hour out at this particular reef. And... Um, as we swim out there in about 30 feet of water, underneath the surface of the water, there's a picture, or actually there's a statue of Jesus Christ. You've probably seen it, standing like this, looking up to the surface of the waves. And it was uh, made by an Italian artist after World War II for all the sailors who'd been lost at sea. Uh, and when I swam down to it, about 25 feet, there's a plaque by it, which is from Psalm 139, which says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And I thought, even if I were to perish at sea, just under the waves, there's Christ to be catching me and holding me. See, fellowship with God comes with a great promise. I'm with you always. He'll never leave you. He's a true friend, even to the close of the age. Whether we be at sea, or we be on the land, or in the sky, in life or in death, he says, you will never be alone. I am with you always, the close of the age. So this is fellowship. And it means that even if the whole world forsakes us, it means that God won't. Remember what happened to Jesus in John 16? He said, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, every man to his home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. That word for alone in the Greek is manos, 
which means alone, by oneself, without a companion, forsaken, destitute of help. And God, uh, Jesus says, I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. And you can say, I will never be alone, by myself, without a companion, forsaken and destitute of help, for Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the close of the age. So praise God, through Christ, through faith in him, we have fellowship with God. But then God, secondly, gave, gives us fellowship with each other. Now what I'm about to say might sound weird to you, strange, or even wrong, but think about it for a moment. And what I'm going to say is this, is that fellowship with God is not enough. It's not sufficient for us. Now, in a sense, you could say, yeah, okay, it is complete, because if you have God, you have everyone and everything. But in another sense, it's not enough. And even God says that. In Genesis chapter 2, listen to what he says. Verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Think about that. God created the whole world, and Adam had perfect fellowship with the Father, and Jesus, God says, it's not good. It's not good. It's not enough. You need fellowship with another person, another human being. And we're designed for fellowship with other people. God made Eve for Adam, and then he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. We need fellow man. We need our neighbors. We need friends in our lives. And God gave us fellowship with each other. So what's it look like? What's Christian fellowship look like? Well, first uh, Samuel chapter 18. David is about to go fight Goliath. And he's just spoken to King Saul, Jonathan's father, and said, I'm going to go slay this Philistine. And it says, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan, that's Saul's son, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house, David. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped him of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his armor, even his sword and his bow and his girdle. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. This is a picture of Christian fellowship. Our souls knit to each one another, loving one another as Christ has loved us. In fact, later in, the, in his life, uh, Jonathan saves David from the hand of Saul, who's seeking to put a spear through his throat. And uh, it says, Jonathan saved David and told the lad to go and carry the arrows, etc., to the city. And as soon as the lad had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap where he was hiding and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another, David and Jonathan, and wept one, with one another until David recovered himself. And then they reminded themselves of the covenant of friendship that they had perpetually forever together. A friend is someone who will stay with you until you've recovered yourself. <laughs> and what I'm talking about today is not fellowship as the world has it, not drinking buddies or things like that. Fellowship I'm talking about today is fellowship based on the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Lord. That's why Jonathan loved David, because he loved him as his own soul, because David loved and believed in the Lord. And that's the kind of fellowship God has given us, a fellowship based in the truth of the word, based in the one spirit, based in Jesus Christ, 
based in our common salvation, and in calling God our Father, and having an inheritance together, and fighting the good fight of the faith side by side. Proverbs 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You remember Moses. And Hebrews 11 says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God. He forsook one friendship with the world in order to gain friendship with his brothers in Christ. And this is what we need to do. Remember James chapter 4, it says, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. The fellowship that I'm talking about today, that God wants for you, friends, is Christian friends, although you can be friends with people in the world to, to love them and try to bring them to faith, but they'll never, your unbelieving friends, counsel you to follow the truth, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you strength and adversity that comes from God and things like that. We need each other for that. The fellowship I'm talking about today is based not on the quicksands of lies, but on the rock of truth we stand together. Side by side, our faces looking forward. This is what God desires for us. And so, you have, uh, it says, um, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In Ephesians 2, so then, through Christ, you're no longer strangers and sojourners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What's God want us to do? We have a good fellowship here at Christ Lutheran Church. You love one another, he says, love one another, do so more and more. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole fellowship, joined and knit together by every joint with which it's supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. A band of brothers. I want to ask you, does this characterize your life? Do you have Christian friends? You have friends, but how can we grow in this kind of thing? We often take it for granted. It says in Acts chapter 2, the, apostles, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. To devote ourselves to it means to steadfastly be attentive, to show ourselves courageous for friendship. Now, although this is the case, I think a lot of times we fail at this, that we've not sought out friends in the world. In fact, we live in a world that's fractured, isn't it? Families used to live in the same town, you used to have extended families, and now we got my parents in Cape Cod, my sister in Texas, my other one in Connecticut, and we're in Florida. And we sometimes get rushed in life, busy, too busy for friends, no time for it. Sometimes we've been hurt earlier in our lives and we're afraid of making friends or getting close to anybody because we've been hurt. And besides all this, we have the devil against whom we stand who is all about divide and conquer. Think about how he likes to divide marriages. He wants to see your marriages split up and people alone. He wants to see children devoid of at least one parent in the home and if better, we can have two. Let them be raised as orphans, would say he. Friends he wants broken up. Countries he wants to fight one another and be divided and make war. And churches he wants to bring down through divide and conquer and bring schisms to us. And in our society, 
we are so not used to the community feeling our idea of past ages because we have TV. We have radio to entertain us. We don't even have to go out of our own little cubby hole in this world to have fellowship with other people and enjoy life. We can do it all in the presence of our own person by watching the TV. And we sometimes don't even know our neighbor. And some Christians think, I'll get my fellowship through going and watching Dr. Schuler or Joel Osteen on TV. Not to mention the fact that they have denied the gospel on Larry King, but that's not fellowship. That's not fellowship to be by yourselves. And I think maybe the biggest problem we have is we just don't think fellowship's really that important. Friendship, finding friends. We don't have time for that. Sometimes happen to you? Well, um, we think, yeah, okay, Greg, the word of God, I need that for renewal. Prayer, oh, I definitely need that for renewal. Praise of God, I need that for renewal. But friends, fellowship, that's kind of a take it or leave it. I don't need that. I can go just me and God. God and me. Kind of the Lone Ranger mentality. Well, if that's your idea, then think of that story of the Lone Ranger and Tana. Remember this one? Maybe not, where they're, they're uh, in, the, in the canyon and they're surrounded on all the ridges. All the way they look around, there are Indians, American Indians, there at the, at the ridge on horses with their bows drawn and their rifles aimed down at them. And the Lone Ranger says to Tano, what are we going to do now, Tano? And he says, what do you mean we, white man? <laughs> There are no Lone Ranger Christians. You can't do it. It's dangerous to go off by yourself. We were watching a show uh, inspired by our snorkeling experience this week. Naomi was watching How to Stay Safe in the Water from Sharks. There was a documentary, and it showed a bunch of people together, and then the tiger sharks, this is uh, fake legs and stuff, but the sharks didn't know, and they went after the one that was by himself and chewed him to pieces. Whenever I find a Christian absenting themselves from the fellowship of the church and hanging out by themselves for a long period of time, I know that they are in serious danger. I see it happen, and that's when I've seen people in our congregation fall into sin until they're restored to fellowship and coming every week. And besides all this, what happens when you're by yourself? What's the word? You're alone, and what goes along with alone? Loneliness. Do you think that's one of the biggest problems there is in our society today? People are just plain lonely. In fact, this, according to this Gallup poll from 1990, a little while ago, 36% of Americans are lonely. In 1950, 10% of households had just one person. By 94, 24%. What is it today? People defer marriage to late in life. They, uh, there are a lot of divorces in our day. Children are alone, husbands and wives are alone, uh, elderly are alone, young are alone, and it says there are some serious health effects from that. The more isolated men in this study showed that they were 25% more likely to die of certain causes. The odds for women was 33%, and other things like that. If you live alone, everything goes to pot. Look, God... <laughs> has spoken to us and said, fellowship is good and pleasant. It's my will. It's what you need. It's not good to be alone. And I want you to be in friendship with each other. And Mother Teresa said, we have drugs for people with diseases like leprosy, but these uh, drugs do not treat the main problem, the disease of being unwanted. 
Friends, how many of our ills in life are really just the pain of being lonely? And how many of the pains in our life can be solved and would go away simply if we had some Christian friends? So we need to be like the people in Acts chapter 2 said they devoted themselves to it. You know, some of our fellowship is just plain natural. You're a Christian, you're born into the family of faith, hurrah, that's great. But to have friends and develop that, we've got to show ourselves courageous in being friends and making friends and having friends. And I myself, I'm guilty of this, I know. I could get out there, I get rushed and busy, and my life gets full. And I need to make time for that kind of thing too. So, how then does God renew us through fellowship, by fellowship, by Christian friends? Well, God gives us friends to give us, number one, courage. <laughs> Naomi and I were swimming out at the snorkeling area, and we were there for 10 minutes. Not 10 minutes until we saw our first shark. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, eh, maybe we won't see it. But we, she was diving down after a pretty little fish. She comes up, Dad, there was a beautiful fish down there. I'm like, yeah, look down there, there's also a shark. <laughs> Which was as big as Naomi, swam right past her. Just a nurse shark was friendly or harmless. But uh, later in the day, I said, you know, if there was a shark in the water, I would get my, between myself and you. And she said, yeah, I know, Dad. That's why I felt safe. This is what friends do for each other. We give each other courage because we lay down our lives for each other. Another thing is strength and protection. Think about this. Here's Joe Christian, walking along in his life, all by himself, separated from the flock, thinks he doesn't have to be with the fellowship of others. What happens when the stresses and strains come upon him? How strong is it? Oh, he broke, didn't he? He snapped right in half. What does God want for us as Christians? When you got Joe Christian going along through life, what he wants for us is to get into the fellowship of all the other Christians, like this. And now when the stresses and strains come against their life, they won't be broken because we've gained strength from being with each other. Isn't this what God says in his holy word? Ecclesiastes, he says, um, two are better than one. And they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Oh, we need friends. We need to develop friends. We need to find time to get friends in our life and spend time growing in an encouraging fellowship in the Lord based on the rock of God. Another thing friends do is they encourage each other. Uh, I remember the story of Leonidas, king of Sparta, at the great famous Battle of Thermopylae in 480 BC, when there were 300 Spartans against 300,000 Persians, and they were guarding a very narrow pass. And they were warned, King Leonidas was told, uh, the host of the archers are so many that their arrows darken the sky. And Leonidas said to his men, well, that's good then. We'll get the fight on the shade. <laughs> if you have a friend, he turns the threatening things in your life into a joyful challenge. If you have no friend, you will be overwhelmed and scared 
in the perils of this life. But with a friend, he can say to you, huh, don't worry, we'll fight in the shade. And off you go. Encourages us. Brings us comfort, counsel, correction, and compassion. Who is it who's really ministering to you when you have a friend? It says here in 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says, when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. Guess what? Paul was feeling terribly distressed. God comforted him by sending him a friend. God comforted him through his friend. The friend comforted him, but it was really God doing it through him. The thing, reason we need friends is because this is how God meets us. He comforts you. He counsels you. He corrects you. He strengthens you. He encourages you through friends. And he's given us that fellowship. And we ought to grow in that. And friends have a companionship of standing side by side. I had a friend, Ben Tarrant, my best man at my wedding, who helped me through a difficult time of searching in my life. But he just stood by me. That made all the difference in the world. Jackie Robinson, who was an African-American, was, was uh, put down for being the first black man in the Major League Baseballs, Baseball League. And at one point, all the chorus of the Coliseum of the stadium around him were booing him because he was a black man. And he stood at second base with his shoulders forward, his head bowed, defeated, while the whole audience of thousands booed him. What happened? Pee Wee Reese, white man, shortstop, walked over next to him, put his arms around him and faced the whole crowd until everything was silent. This is what we got to be to each other, to come and stand by our friends and face down the whole world until they all become silent. And that bonded and sealed their friendship. And one last one. Friends, God gives us hope through them. Robert Louis Stevenson talks about a, uh, a great uh, storm at sea. And these, uh, the ship was by the rocks and steering close to them. And the passengers were ordered below. And they were afraid, threatened for their life and the perils of the sea. One man broke the order and came up on deck because he was so worried. He made his way across the, the, the rolling deck back to the steering house. And he saw the steering helmsman there as he was turning the ship about. And the helmsman smiled at him. And the man went back down and told the passengers, all is well, all shall be well, for I've seen the face of the pilot. And he smiled at me, all shall be well. This is what friends do. We see the face of their smile. It gives us hope. And guess what? It says, we've seen the face of, Jesus Christ, the face of God and the face of Jesus Christ, but we see the face of Jesus Christ in the face of our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You get that? You see God in Jesus. You see Jesus in your friends. And so... With greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is what Jesus did for us, his friends. 1 John 3, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. So my challenge to you this week is to be intentional, to be courageous for making friends in your life, because you need it more than you think you know, and to grow in these kinds of things. And if you wonder how, here's a poem. I went out to find a friend, but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, 
and friends were everywhere. We got a friendship dinner coming up this Friday night. Why don't we have a hundred of us at Phyllis's house? <laughs> we'll trash it and we'll even come clean it up the next day. <laughs> Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Amen.